If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, Regina's only downtown brewery. Well, you'd have to be living under a rock this week, at least online, to not uh, learn of the news of the Philadelphia Flyers and their new mascot named Gritty. And Mm. all things aside, as dumb of a name as this thing is, because leave it to a hockey team to take some dumb cliche and (laughs) make that the name of their mascot, like character and leadership must have been taken by some other team. (laughs) But what really has people talking, not so much the name, even though to me the biggest issue is the name, is just how weird this thing looks. Like, it feels kind of like... Yuppie just forgot to shave for like three years or something, and he's everywhere. Or they they took the Philly fanatic and cut off his nose, made him orange, and made him really hairy like some kind of weird science experiment. John, I mean, you're used to looking at hideous things in the mirror. Like, what what is this? What is this like to you? Like, what do you think about this thing? Well, gritty. When I first saw him, my first thought was he was definitely a failed muppet that might have dabbled in meth. Uh, second thought was, that is the scariest fucking thing I've ever seen with googly eyes. Like, normally, you put googly eyes on something, you're like, <laughs> it's got googly eyes, it's all cute and stuff. And this one, instead, I wanted to burn it with fire. Like, just, ugh. And I just, it's, I will give credit to the Philadelphia Flyers, though, as they've kind of owned Gritty and his weirdness. Mm-hmm. Um, even knowing... Knowing that the reaction, you had to know what the reaction was going to be like online, and then to put that Kardashian-esque photo of Gritty with the champagne and the little glass between his badonkadonk and saying, good night, Twitter. That that, <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> it's so weird. I kind of have to love it. It's just, it's, it's like that, he's, again, the stuff of nightmares and nightmare fuel, and I might wake up in a cold sweat wet spouting about going off 110% because, you know, cliches <laughs> lead to more cliches, but all I'm going to see one day in the corner is just, you know, this these googly eyes, and next thing you know, I'm going to be murdered in, like, a horror film. I thought it was it was uh, SC with Jay and Dan. They did a, uh, a rip-off. I don't know if you saw this. It was on Instagram. Uh, they did a rip-off where they made Gritty uh, into the opening of a horror movie. <laughs> no, like, I, I, I missed that on, one. Oh, it, it, it's good. It's like, and woken up from the basement of the Wells Fargo Center is an ancient evil, gritty, in theaters this Halloween. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm with you though. Like it's, it, yeah, it's creepy and it's weird, but it's fun to see a hockey team actually embrace something like that rather than kind of sticking to the, to the usual cliche. And of course, as we are on three down nation.com and as three down nation.com, according to many is uh, the clickbait central of the CFL. We've decided to jump on board this a little bit. There's going to be a piece on our website soon, uh, kind of describing and talking a little bit about what we think of all the various CFL mascots. So look for that soon, or it might already be up, depending on when you listen to this podcast. But, John, so it leads to the question of who is your favorite mascot in sports? Mm. And because of your ties to the Sask Rush, I'm going to disqualify you from picking them. Oh, so I can't pick Bruce the Bulldog? All-around great guy, by the way. Um, <laughs> being a, like, Winnipeg sports kid, um, I'd have to say Buzz and Boomer, Mickey Moose hold a special place in my heart. But you know who my favorite really is, Joel? That just every time I think of him, it warms my heart. That's Work Safe Bob. And you know why it's Work Safe Bob? <laughs> it's not because of the stretch. It's because he managed to just infuriate Mitchell Blair, a.k.a. Scruffy, beyond any reasonable level that a human should hate a mascot. And I love his rage. I feed off of it. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm going with WorkSafe Bob. It's weird that they've, like, redone WorkSafe Bob recently. I, I much prefer, yeah, like, the weird cartoonish one compared to this more realistic-looking human. It, it, it's kind of the same thing with Bob the Builder, right? Bob the Builder used to be all cute and stuff. And now he's this humanoid-looking thing with dead eyes, and he kind of gives me the jibblies. And if I, again, if I start randomly screaming about Bob the Builder, it's probably because I've been murdered. (laughs) Well, for me, and as an Ottawa Senators fan in exile at the moment, um, it it hurts me to say this, but it's from a past era for me. My favorite mascot is still Yuppie. Um, Yeah. But Montreal Expos Yuppie, Montreal Canadiens. Yuppie, I don't really care for, but Yuppie with the Expos for me, that was my guy growing up. I was a big Expos fan, so obviously I loved Yuppie, and I'll never get tired of it. And the one time when the Montreal Canadiens retired uh, a bunch of, or put up a banner, I should say, for uh, all the Montreal Expos and the numbers they retired over the years at the Bell Centre, and Yuppie came out in his Expos jersey, that was was cool, and that that moment kind of got to me a little bit, and I I really like that. So for me, it will always be, Yuppie will always be number one in my heart. Yeah, yeah. I hate the, the Habs, so I now have to also hate UP. But I will love his slightly ugly, adopted, possibly meth-addicted son, Gritty. <laughs> the other great thing to come from Gritty is a lot of the memes that have come from these have been outstanding. Some of the other redheads in hockey and other sports that they've made fun of for this has been... It's been top-notch. Just do a quick search on Twitter and you'll find dozens upon dozens of them. <laughs> oh, it's it's been... It's been so good. So good. Speaking of what's been uh, so good, uh, John, I hear you made a run to the liquor store this week. So uh, what's in the glass? Yeah. No, I, uh, I decided uh, to stop by Sobey's Liquor on my way home. And I'm like, you know what? I have nothing but very basic beer in my fridge at the moment. So I loaded up with some pile of bones, uh, some Nokomis. And right now I wanted something a little bit lighter. So in the glass tonight is Rebellion Brewing's Blast Off. Nice uh, good choice, a, yeah. Oh, yeah. My son loves the little robot with the rocket <laughs> on the can. Uh, and, and, like, it's light but still flavorful, right? Like, I don't like yeah. drinking a lager that's got nothing to it. 
um, or just tastes like awful. Uh, this is good, has some good flavors. Again, this is one of those beers that if you're not, if you listen, and you're not a craft beer guy, you don't want to go right into the uh, the IPAs or anything like that. Uh, definitely, 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 I would give Rebellion Blast off a try. Like, it's 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 one of those that when you start dipping your toes in the waters, craft beer, it's very good for that. I would say. Yeah, so the Blast Off, it's basically their blonde ale rejigged a little bit. It's got a little bit more hops to it. It's Pilsner style, but it's not aged like a Pilsner, so it's not technically a lager, so that's why we say Pilsner style compared to just Pilsner, which is a style of beer, not just a name of a watered-down thing in a green can. Hey, the water's so clear from BC, you can't even see it in the beer. <laughs> For me, you, you, you have seen that old-style Pilsner commercial, right? No, I haven't. All right, I have to find that, send it to you, and you have to retweet it because it's it, it's like these these old guys. And again, this is back advertising back in, God, it must have been the '80s. Just these old guys dressed in flannel. One of them looks like a cowboy. He's standing by this creek, and he goes, "This is where we're getting the water for old style Pilsner." And the other guy goes, "It's so clear you can't even see it in the beer." It sounds awful. It's it's unintentionally hilarious. <laughs> So for but, me, I, I'm also sticking with uh, Rebellion, but it's it's a little bit of a different one. It's their Cat's Got the Cream Ale. It's one that they ooh. release every fall, and it goes back a few years where uh, it was an old community tap that they had for the Regina Cat Rescue. It's basically an amber ale with uh, some Mexican vanilla in it to give it a nice little sweet twist that uh, just tastes outstanding, so that's why... It's become a rotational seasonal for them every year. They bring it every year in the fall, and it's the first year they brought it out in cans, and it's got this cool kind of looking Egyptian cat on the front. So mm. another that's another rad design and another great beer from Rebellion. So look for that at your local store as well. So, John, the Riders are 8-5 and five on the year, and um, one of the best tweets, well, one of the tweets that got the most reaction after that game for me was where I just put the gif of the end of that Ikea commercial where the lady's like, start the car, start the car! <laughs> because that's yes. that's kind of what it felt like in that game. Now, I wrote in my piece after the game where I talked about how Brett Lowther should be the team's MLP candidate, and we will get into that in a little bit, that, okay, they felt like maybe Medeiros has missed field goals late in the game were kind of the football gods at play for what was gifted three points to the Toronto Argonauts at the end of the first half, where a play was called complete when it probably shouldn't have been. So maybe in a roundabout way, the Riders got the result they needed. It just, or should have got, but it went in a, just didn't go the way it probably should have. But regardless, the way the game played out, there was, there was really no reason for the Riders to win that game, considering Medeiros had the game on his foot twice and missed. Yep. Um, we'll get into Chris Jones' decision on how that paid off in a big way as well to make sure they had the wind in the fourth quarter, because that obviously played a big thing into it. But for me, what really stood out in this game was again the defense. Now, it wasn't horrible. They weren't as bad as they were the week before against Ottawa. Granted, they were playing, you know, a much worse team. But I, th- I think there's an honest question to be asked about this defense right now. Not if they have the ability, not if they have the skill, not if they're being figured out or anything like that. I just wonder if they're just wearing down a little bit, maybe more so mentally than physically, on having to basically carry this team to this point mm-hmm. in the season. Because once again, the offense had a shot to win that game straight up early on, uh, late in the game there, but then a weird second down call that really wasn't going to go anywhere, and then Zach Caleros took a really bad intentional grounding call to push them back even further for Lauder to hit that 56-yard field goal when it could have been 45 yards. And it's just, 
I can understand somewhat at this point why the defense is maybe wearing down a little bit and they're going to have to find a way to kind of recharge themselves for this stretch run here. Well, and it's, I, I know a home playoff game is still in the picture and I know how, how important the players find that, but it's still, you know, you're starting to get in that long grindy section of the season before you hit your last three, four games and the playoffs are really uh, on the verge. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's I think it's tough to to stay at that elite of a level through an entire regular season. Now, I, I do buy into to your theory that I do think they are getting mentally worn down. I mean, it's the same. Again, I've never played at a high level at anything, but it's just anytime you're playing, you know, okay, I can't make a mistake in, in this portion, or or maybe my team's not going to be there. Like I used to be a goaltender, right? Where you can't make a mistake. Or something's going to end up behind you, and in tight games, it's always more mentally draining. It's harder on you than it is in a you know three four nothing game or a four three game where you know your offense has your back. So every member of that rider defense has, has been feeling that, along with the you know bangs and bruises that go along with a football season. I, I still, and as well too, I, I think you and I had had discussed this briefly after the debacle against Ottawa that uh, maybe people are starting to see something on film with this Ryder D. You know, we were talking about the quick releases. Maybe that's they're starting to get it figured out. So uh, I know Chris Jones is a defensive genius. He, he probably he's, strikes me as one of those guys that knows, okay, they figured out how to beat us this way. So now let's figure out a new way. And he's probably already got a new scheme, a new plan, a new game plan devised. But do you really want to bust that out again in, in games against Ottawa and Toronto with the playoffs looming? No. I think they're going to be fine. I think it's part, you know, maybe starting to look a little vanilla in the scheming as we get close to playoff time. I think it is fatigue. I think it's mental fatigue. And I'm not worried yet. Um, if they have a must-win game in a couple of weeks to potentially get a home playoff game and the defense doesn't show up, or they look vanilla, or they look the same, that's when I will begin to worry. But for now, I, I, my hand is far from the panic button on the rider defense, I would say, on this one, Joel. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment. I was just asking the question because it has seemed like they, they haven't had their best two weeks, and we knew at no. some point it was bound to happen, and yeah. it happened, and they it's happened over a two-week period, and two weeks is hardly a trend, but... It's still something just to keep an eye on maybe over the next few weeks. Maybe not this week against Montreal, but those 11 a.m. Saskatchewan time starts are always tough. So there yeah. is certainly going to be a different kind of challenge there. The the body and the time might be more of a challenge than the, the opponent, frankly. But, you know, it's just something to look for. And I, I just wonder if they need something to kind of spark them a little bit again, just because it's been so much. And yeah, and I think I agree with you at the same time that they're obviously working on some things defensively because the playoffs are nearing and you have to, you always want to save a few things and come up with some new things to break out an important time in a playoff game. And you're obviously not going to show any hint of that, especially against an Ottawa or a Toronto or a Montreal, a team that only one of those teams you're probably, you might face again this year. The other two you're not because they're essentially out of the playoff race. So yeah. that's, that's entirely fair. And it's, it's not a panic button issue. The defense will probably ultimately be fine. It's just interesting timing because we've been waiting for them to have that off game. And it, it never really seemed to come until kind of the point in the season where you expect teams to kind of be more on an upward trajectory as they head towards the playoffs. And mm -hmm. I still think overall the riders are still there. It's just kind of a 
you know, a little bit of a talking point at this point. It's something to keep an eye on. Um, one, no, no, certainly, and I and I and I think just to just to go back on that real quickly, Joel. Yeah. I I think the spark needed might simply be that upcoming game against Edmonton. That game is going to be a game you need to win if you want a home playoff game. And even if they lay a bit of an egg here at a weird start time against a Montreal team that, you know, isn't that good, I won't be concerned until if they don't show up against Edmonton here in two weeks' time. That's when I think the hand gets close to the panic button. Yeah, and we all know that Chris Jones' teams tend to be really prepared for those big games against really good teams because, well, we saw it after the bye week against Calgary when... Everyone was like, oh boy, here we go, the six in a row against the West. They just lost two games, what's going on? And then they came out and had their best game of the year against Calgary. So yes, that's certainly. certainly well within the realm of possibility. But one guy who definitely did not have an off game and hasn't really had an off game all year is Brett Fuken Lowther. As he, <laughs> he hit, I think that's how, is that how we're going with the pronunciation for fake gainer and his covered up F-bombs because he's a, he's a reformed man. <laughs> Who doesn't or a reformed rodent who doesn't uh, who doesn't swear on Twitter anymore? Yeah, I I, I think it's Fukin, and I just think because you can say it, it's like Fukin Louther. Like it just I don't know, it just kind of flows, right? Um, of course, it is a replacement for the F bomb, but it's a fun replacement for the F bomb. But still, don't say it around the kids because I still think that could end badly. But uh, Probably, yeah, yeah, let's let's the the official verdict by the Three Down Nation Greencast it is Fukin. Yeah, I mean, there's a Q in there, so I guess. That makes sense, and it's different than just saying effing or, you know, other other ones. So it's different, it's completely fake gainer, and it's great, and we love him. So, again, we mentioned it, Brett Lowther hit the 56-yard field goal to win the game. Uh, he's hit two 56-yarders this year, which uh, doesn't happen very often in the CFL. No. And it just leads me to the question, and I, for a couple of reasons after the game, I wrote the piece that... At this point in time, and we are probably laying a severe jinx on him right now when he's going to go like 0 for 4 <laughs> against Montreal. But he is he the Riders' most outstanding player nominee this year when you consider they are basically last in touchdowns in both categories. And yeah. he's been the bulk of their points scored. So, and with the offense the way it's been and the defense special teams being good, but no one really standing out. And we'll get into that a little bit later when we talk about Charleston Hughes, because I know a lot of people will say Charleston Hughes because of the sacks. But I think overall, everything that he's done suggests to me that Brett Lowther has been outstanding. And I would argue if it was awarded, because I know people say, well, he's just been valuable to the team. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. because there is a difference between, and Glenn Suter, when I was working at CJME, loved to always get in this argument with Jamie, where he would always basically roll out Darian Durant as the MOP because of how important he was to the team. It's like, no, yeah. it's named the most outstanding player, not the most valuable player. This is the most valuable player. Yeah. It's pretty much always your quarterback. I think in this case, no matter how you word word it, I think it's the same guy this year. I think so. Um, game in, game out. Who has been the most consistent Riders player playing at a level that is elite? I mean, his field goal percentage is probably going to set, as long as he keeps it up and he doesn't get the three-down nation greencast janks, he could be – he's flirting with an all-time single-season record, right? I mean – Team record, yeah. He's the – yeah, he's – pardon me. Yeah, single-season team record. Forgot the word team in there. Yeah, so because there's a, guy, there's a guy in Ottawa who is on pace to, yeah. s- to smash every record probably in all of football. So <laughs> – yeah. yeah, absolutely. But but in terms of the team, in terms of the riders, yes. It looks like 
he could be the guy. He he will be the guy. Now, does he have a chance of winning it at the league level? Absolutely not. I don't no. think so. But no. but in terms of the team award, he's been the most consistent. He has been better than his peers at his position. There's nobody else for this team that has stood out. And, I mean, the fact that we're talking about kicker as the most outstanding player, you know, generally means one of two things. Either the team is 0-13 or the team is a really good team. This Riders team is a very good team. They play very well as a unit. Uh, Lowther, to me, has been... Uh, he has been the most outstanding, the most consistent. As you mentioned, he's the one putting up the points because his offense cannot score touchdowns. You've mentioned Hughes. I'd like to throw out Sam and Guavin. Another one's been, you know, maybe in that conversation. But I, I, you're right. There's, there's nobody else I can really think of. And I've been thinking about this most of the day. Knowing we'd be discussing the pod, that that I, I'm like, I, there's nobody else. If I still had a vote, there's nobody else I could vote for or nominate. Yeah, like I, who's there? Josh Bartell for his holding skills. I mean, if you read the piece uh, today, it was we record on Wednesday. Uh, came out late online on leaderpost.com, the original leader post, and should be in the paper on Thursday if you still do such things. Um, he had a great tongue-in-cheek yeah. piece with Rob Vanstone that you have to check him out. The quotes are outstanding, and just maybe for that alone, maybe I would give him my MOP vote because it should be Brett Lowther and it should be Brett Lowther in a walk. So why not show Josh Bartell some love for showing some personality and leading to a great story? But I, I, I think you're right. I think when it comes down to it, there's and it's not in this and I said this in the piece on 3downnation.com this isn't meant as an you know an offensive thing to anyone else on this team he's yeah. just been that good yeah he's just been that good so it's hard to argue against it and yeah okay Brett um Charleston Hughes has 13 sacks but he hasn't had one in a while and he's on a bit of a pitch count right now like he's not playing a whole lot yeah. he's not playing every down he's not playing as many downs as he was and I understand why the guy is, you know, on the wrong side of 30, and there's going to be times where you need to do that with those players, especially when you essentially have a playoff spot locked up, and you want him to be fresh when it matters. If there was an MOP for this team for the first half of the season, I'd probably give it to Charleston Hughes. But since then, the way the season has progressed, it's the, the answer is Brett Lowther. And if they lose because he misses a few, few field goals, I think that probably cements it maybe even more, just to show how yeah. outstanding, how important he's been to this team all season. And I think, realistically, he should be a triple nominee at the end of the year because he's got yeah. top Canadian locked up. And you could maybe make an argument for a couple other guys on special teams. But to me, okay, yeah, they've returned a bunch of kicks, which is great. But the fact is they've done it with three different returners, I think, have taken one to the house this year. So yep. to me, that suggests it's a systematic thing more so than it is there's an elite returner who's just making guys miss. Yeah, and no, you're absolutely right. And I think, too, that the fact that, again, this is a discussion that we're having um, does prove that, and like like you said, we're not trying to slam the team by saying the kicker should be the most outstanding player. To me, this proves that everybody has been good to very good on this team for long stretches, but nobody's been outstanding, right? And and mm -hmm. to use, that, use the word again, I, I, I think if I still had a vote, which... Believe it or not, I used to. If so I still I. had a vote, <laughs> I, 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 my vote would be for Brett Fuken Lowther. Yep. And, well, I mean, I, I laid my thoughts out on 3downnation.com pretty clearly after the game. Um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I thought Rob Vanstone was going to write it, so I wanted to get it out before him. 
Um, number two, <laughs> I number two, I firmly believe in it. And number three, I just needed a break from writing the same post game story like I have every game this year. Basically, I'm like, I need to do something different, or I'm going to lose my mind. And the good news is, it seems like you and I aren't alone because there's been a little bit of momentum gathering for this. There was a piece yep. by RodPeterson.com staff member, which. Uh, which suggests that Brett Lowther should be the MOP candidate. And uh, Marie McCormick wrote something in the Leader Post today as well, putting uh, Brett Lowther as his nominee there as well. So we're not alone here. We're not totally out to lunch. And this this is a momentum thing. This is I want to build this momentum toward Brett Lowther being the nominee for this team. To me, the really only interesting award is at this point, and there's still a few weeks left that to really decide who it should be, is on defense because we talk about how great this defense has been. And again, if it was if there was a specific first half award, it would go to Charleston Hughes. But I, I almost agree with I think I agree with Murray McCormick in the leader post today where he he picked Sam McGuavin just because of his consistent play and all season. From game one to today, the games he's played, he's been outstanding every single game. Not that Charleston Hughes hasn't, but his again his snap count's dropping a little bit. They're kind of conserving him at this point, and he's gone cold in the sack count for a little bit for a while now as it's kind of shifted more towards Willie Jefferson right now than it has Charleston Hughes. So mm-hmm. I think if you are if you take the whole thing at its face value, I would agree with Murray that I would go with Sam McGuavin as my defensive nominee, though. I think at the end of the day, it's probably going to be Hughes, especially if he gets three or four more sacks. That, that number is going to be too hard for most people to pass out. Well, here's the, here's the thing for me. And, and here's my thought process on it. And, and generally, if you're agreeing with Murray McCormick, you're probably in the right. Uh, Murray knows his ish, to say the least. Um, if you take Charleston Hughes out of this rider lineup, hurt, injury, whatever, you remove him from the game, is that defense still great? Well, they've removed him from the game on their own accord, for the most part, a lot more it, recently. <laughs> well, exa- exactly. That's exactly what I mean. You can take Charleston Hughes out, and that defense is still good. If you take Sam McGuavin out, and we've seen this on our unfortunate whipping boy, because, again, really nice human being, you take out Sam McGuavin, you put in Sam Hurl, Andrew Harris runs for 300 yards on you. Uh-huh. Uh, to me, Sam McGuavin, as Murray McCormick suggests, is a bigger part of that rider defense that I think not a lot of people are, are maybe focusing on, um, because... Cameron Judge is coming along very nicely. I've started noticing him more in, as as the games have gone on. But mm-hmm. you lose Sam McGuav and Sam Hurl's on the field. And Sam Hurl, to me, is a replacement-level linebacker in the CFL. He is average to below average. Yeah. Um, and Aguavin, if, if he gets hurt, if he gets hurt, it's, it's open season on the Ryder D. Just running up the middle all day long. So... I think my pick would be for Aguavin, and, and, and that is one guy that the riders have to hope and pray does not get injured if they want to keep having this sometimes ugly but often magical season continue. Yeah, I think that's fair, and that's why it's important that they probably pick up a few more wins here and basically lock down that number two spot in the West so they can start protecting their guys a little better. I think that will mm-hmm. that will be an important thing, and we're already starting to see it a little bit as uh, – Naaman Roosevelt, he's not going to play this week against Montreal after suffering a bit of a knee injury last week in Toronto. Just another just unfortunate break for a guy who has injury problems over the last few years. Yeah. And you just feel for him because he's, again, just one of those really great, genuine dudes and a really good football player. And 
you know, it just it sucks for him, and it sucks for the offense too because they. It seems like the last couple of games, the, I know there was some talk about what happened. Aubrey did finally get the touchdown late against Ottawa, so they started up and they used him a lot against Toronto. So maybe they're starting to yeah. name and Roosevelt's trying. They're finding ways to get him more involved in this offense when it's he's kind of been quiet for the most part this year. Um, so it's unfortunate timing for him, but it's it's still a blow to this offense because he was the one guy you knew that was going had was capable of exploding in any single game. Yeah, there's been performances by Shaq Evans and there's been performances by Williams Lambert, but you never really know from game to game what those guys are going to do. Generally speaking, you know what you're going to get from Raymond Roosevelt and and that's a big loss for this team. Maybe not so much this week against Montreal, but going forward if this is not if this is more than a one week thing, this could be a problem for this team. Yeah, certainly. Um I am intrigued though. I'm very intrigued and I understand Raymond Roosevelt's value to this team. But I'm intrigued by the guy that's coming into the lineup um, for him. Mm-hmm. That being Kenny Shaw. Um, he's been on the practice roster. He was real good recently. Like, within the past couple of years with the Toronto Argonauts. And then there was that whole hubbub. And next thing you know, he was no longer on the Argos. And he got cut at the same time as the other two guys. And rabble, 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 dressing room issues. He's kind of bounced around, spent some time at Edmonton. He hasn't really returned to form as that player that he was in Toronto. Now, I'm interested to see if maybe now getting a chance to draw into the lineup where, you know, the Caleros doesn't really have a a favorite target. I mean, he hasn't been on the field long long enough to really find one. Maybe it's Roosevelt, maybe it's Williams Lambert, but I I just, I I think there's a chance that, you know, maybe we see if Kenny Shaw has anything left, which would help the receiver depth at this time of the year. I mean, it always seems like, like it kind of like Marcus Thigpen uh, last year. It always seems like there's there's a guy that comes on late of the season out of nowhere that everybody's forgot about. That I don't know if it's just fresh legs or what. Always seems to end strong and go into the playoffs as a big contributor. So maybe Kenny Shaw becomes that guy. Or maybe I'm just an optimist, and maybe I just need another drink. Yeah, I, I think those are fair points. Um, it, it's interesting you note his time in Toronto, and I don't really think any of those the big three that they had that one year really evolved into anything after they left Toronto that whole thing kind of fell apart and none of them really have amounted to much sense which is interesting for how good they were for a stretch there but if there's any guy who's going to get something out of this guy it's Chris Jones we've seen this story before yeah right he takes a guy who's uh, you know kind of down and out looks like it might be over and then he finds a way to use him now I'm not saying he's gonna get 100 yards a game for the rest of the season or anything like that but maybe he'll be able to contribute because as we know the it's kind of a short passing game. There isn't really a whole lot other asked of a lot of the receivers. Um, there are a lot of them are asked to block. So I, you know, it's a, there's a situation. There's a chance here for Kenny Shaw to maybe earn himself a job next year, either in Saskatchewan or somewhere else if he shows a little bit. And it's funny that you mention the guy who comes in late last year. And the guy who came in late last year was Chad Owens. And right. Yes. He was injured all year, and they added him late to the raw late in the season when everyone thought he probably just wasn't going to play at all. And then he, I think he single-handedly won them a game. And then, you know, there was just this whole thing. Now, I'm not expecting that from Kenny Shaw. Kenny Shaw is not Chad Owens. And Chad Owens is a sure-fired CFL, uh, Canadian Football Hall of Famer, I think, when all is said and done. But Kenny Shaw is definitely not that. But considering the state of the offense, considering the bar isn't really that high for receivers to cross at this point, there's a chance that, yeah, maybe, maybe he does something. Maybe... Maybe he makes the most of this opportunity because this is the kind of story that Chris Jones tends to like. You know, Brett Lowther's that kind of guy. Marcus Thigpen mm-hmm. is that kind of guy. And they're all mm-hmm. stepping up and having great seasons. So 
there's no reason to believe that Kenny Shaw won't at least step up and be, you know, at least on par with the rest of the receivers they have. He's not going to be a, a drag on an already kind of slow offense. Yeah, it's 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 not hard to be worse than what they've thrown out there so far this year. So, hey, we'll get one last look, see what he can bring to the team. But uh, again, as you mentioned, I, I think if this team wants to go deep the playoffs, Naaman Roosevelt being healthy is going to be a big part of that. So here's hoping he's back on the field soon. Here's hoping this is one of those, oh, yeah, you're kind of nicked up. Oh, we're playing Montreal at that weird time of the day that we always never seem to play really well at. And then you're always confused when you're watching the game because you're like, hey, it's 11 for the Riders game on. Is it socially acceptable to drink? Is it not? And now you're day buzzed by two o'clock in the afternoon. And so much goes with putting the Christmas lights up. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think it's fair to crack open a beer. It's 11. You, they start serving up bars around then. So it's cool. I mean, we right. all we all got up at Sochi at like 6 a.m. and drank beers to watch Canada win gold medals. So in hockey. So. <laughs> uh, no, that's, that's fair. I, I remember uh, literally getting a bag of egg McMuffins. Yeah. A 40-pounder of Baileys. 40-pounder? Uh, wow, that's many... a lot of Baileys. Uh, I watched it with several, <laughs> several friends. There was, there were several friends. Uh, I'm so making fun of you because of... it's a 40 ouncer, not a 40 pounder. Oh, oh, right, right. Sorry, the, I'm, you know what? See, you're from Ontario. Back in Ontario, you call it a 40 pounder. No, you know, we it's don't. 40 ounces. I don't even go by the ounces. I call them 1140s because they're 1.14 mils. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> no, you and your Southern Ontario talk. If you come to Northern Ontario, up where we live in the middle of the bush and basically flirt with bears on our lunch breaks. You know, you come up there, it's a 40-pounder. <laughs> None of this 11 mil stuff. I know most people call them 26-ouncers and 40-ouncers and 66s. It's fine. I know I'm weird. I, I just live in a more Canadian world where I appreciate the metric system. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.